0: This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. The Voluntary Principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the Voluntary Principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Be sure to check out and subscribe to the Voluntariest Voices podcast brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntary's Voices is a podcast featuring lectures, interviews, and audio essays by intellectual giants, past and present. Uh, Before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around. To schedule, go to the main website at EverythingVoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Hello, welcome to the podcast. It's December 20th, 2020, getting close to the big holiday. Have you finished your holiday shopping? Let me think. We have finished all of it except to my in-laws. That's where we're at. My wife's my wife's thinking about that one. All right, this episode we're going to look at aphorisms in honor of liberty. These are brought to us by Jakob Wisniewski, the pith of life. His... Uh, book from a few years ago that's just full of these, which I consider a very impressive accomplishment, considering the nature of of these as aphorisms. All right, here we go let's just get right into it all right here's the first one. A good economist believes that the ones best suited to deal with the problem of scarcity are entrepreneurs. A bad economist believes that it's the economists. <laughs> all right, I like that one entrepreneurs are here to, I, I guess what makes somebody an entrepreneur is that they have some idea and that idea can be influenced by a number of things. It could be influenced by seeing that there's uh, a need, right? In society that's not being fulfilled. It could be that they've, uh, that there's some kind of an inventor that they just want to make some new product that will be interesting and possibly helpful and valuable to other people. Um, but in any case, it's that's kind of like how it begins. But then when you actually want to create your business, your enterprise, you've got to figure out how to get the things you need at an agreeable price and then price your final good or service at an agreeable price. And after all is said and done, you've turned a profit. So as Stefan Kinsella likes to point out, Human action requires two things. It requires means and knowledge. Means are scarce, right? There's not enough of everything to satisfy everybody's preferences and desires and wants and needs of those things. But knowledge is not scarce, right? Knowledge may be in short supply. supply. It may be incomplete. It may not exist. But in many ways, we can discover knowledge, we can create knowledge. And once created, once discovered, it is infinitely reproducible. Anyway, just a side thought, I guess. But entrepreneurs are the ones that come up with the ideas, come up with the solutions to take scarce resources and turn them into something useful. Okay, that's solving the problem of scarcity. What do economists do? Economists are not experts in business, um, econ- the the job of an economist is to look at what institutions, what norms, what certain types of, I guess we could we could say economic behavior, what effects these are likely to have, short term, long term. Um, it's also an economist's job to tell us what effects coercive third party intervention in market relationships market transactions are likely to produce all right so so economists can help us understand the effects of scarcity but that doesn't mean the economist is going to help us come up with solutions to solve scarcity the problem of scarcity because what solutions can an economist at, at, at an economist qua economist come up with at best it's let entrepreneurs do it you know get out of their way stop coercively intervening in what they're trying to do so long as they are not behaving criminally, right, in the, in the true sense of that word, aggressively towards peaceful people. That's not, that's not a market behavior anyway. All right, I like that. Let's go on to the next one. Oh, You know what? I got to cross this off. Got to put my check mark. All right, here's the next one. A fool believes that individual liberty can be established by means of political power. A person of reason believes that political power can be abolished by means of individual liberty. I like that because I think it was Hans Hoppe that came up with the phrase of a property expropriating property protector. So we could sort of alter that and we could say a liberty violating liberty protector, right? That's what political power is. That's what governments are, right? Inherent in their monopolistic Nature is the violation of people's liberties. So you can't establish individual liberty through the means of political power. All you can do is remove the political power, remove those means, and liberty is the result. A person of reason believes that political power can be abolished by means of individual liberty. What are the means of individual liberty? Well, probably civil disobedience, right? Probably agorism probably nonviolent resistance right it's it's standing up for yourself and saying freedom i won't hey throw the book at me i'm going to make i'm going to make your coming after me as expensive to you as possible i was listening to i thought this was interesting tom woods had the coffee shop owner from i don't know massachusetts or somewhere that is staying open in spite of being told to close uh, by his, his town or the state, whoever is coming after him. And in order for them to sue him, to fine him and take him to court, they have to put up a bond. And this is probably something that applies in many places. And we should all remember this. I think I've heard about this before. But they're required to put up a bond in the event that they lose that bond is paid to who, who would be their victim, right? If they're wrong that he's supposed to close his business, right? He now has a claim of damages for shutting him down against them. And that bond has to be paid to the courts before they can proceed. And I think this is like a, a little known thing, right? Um, I don't know if, you know, when I was battling over my Airbnb, I don't know if this is some, this is a tactic I could have engaged. Uh, but as part of like the initial hearings, the bond amount started at like 5,000 and the guy didn't know really what any of it meant. So he just agreed to 5,000. He regretted that he didn't go higher, right? Really gone as high as he possibly could that the judge would have allowed. Cause now the city has to put that money, put that money up if they want to proceed, right? So if everybody who's this who the city or the state or whoever it was is going after in this way forces the 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 city i'm going to i'm going to call them the city to put up a bond before they're allowed to proceed if every one of them maxed that out then it would it would bankrupt the city before they actually started any any actual case right especially right now they're going around shutting down businesses right because of the coronavirus restrictions and these businesses are just desperately trying to stay afloat. And they're, and they're realizing that if I don't stay open, then I'm not going to be around anymore. And I don't want that. I want to save my business. So in total defiance, I mean, he really tried to comply and he thought he did, but they disagreed and they find him anyway. And that fines just building and building. But if everybody says, look, you want to come after us for this civil infraction, you've got to put up a bond in the event that you lose that I get paid as damages. And if everybody did this, then there are many of these restrictions and maybe even many types of laws such as the Airbnb thing that would just be unenforced. And that would be a good thing. So I think that's what that sort of thing is what's being talked about here. Political power can be abolished by means of individual liberty. It's standing up and asserting your liberty and defending yourself and saying, no, I won't do that. I like that. All right, let's go on to the next one. A just tax is something akin to an affectionate rape. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious, right? I mean, what's a tax, right? It's an extortion. It's a pay this or we will hurt you, right? That's all it is. Some people like to object to that description and they like to say that, no, taxes are the price we pay to live in a civilized society. You, you must really hate people if you don't pay taxes but there's no evidence that the tax is owed. Right? What what how would we know? Okay, if somebody comes up to you and says you owe me money, right? Would you just accept that? No, you wouldn't accept it. You would say, "I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> uh what evidence do you have that I owe you this money?" Right? What what facts can you produce? And they say, "Well, here in my book, it says that anybody within this geographical area who wears a blue shirt on a Sunday has to pay me $50, right? <laughs> Would we accept that, right? Do you have any other facts, any other evidence to prove that your book applies to me just because I'm physically located in the geographical region as specified in, you guessed it, your book, right? Anybody can make a book and in the book specify Who the book applies to. Is that evidence that the book applies and the debt is owed if the rule is broken? It's not. It doesn't matter who you are, right? So if you back up that fine with threats of some nature, either violent or some other way, you know, we're going to ding your credit or we're going to get a judgment, right? And go to your bank and your bank will take the money for us and give it to us, however that works right? If you back that up with coercion, that doesn't magically make it apply, right? That doesn't make it valid. And that's what taxation is. It doesn't matter what the taxes are used for. It's totally irrelevant, right? They're not claiming you owe us taxes because we use them for this and that. They're claiming you owe us taxes because our code, our book, our rules apply to you. That's the claim. Is there any validity to that claim? Is there any evidence that proves that claim is true? That's not arbitrary. Okay. If all they can do is point to their book, their rules, that's arbitrary because those are made up. Those weren't written by the gods. They weren't written by the universe. They wrote them. Ergo, it follows that taxation is theft. It's extortion. A just tax is like saying it's a just extortion. (laughs) It is legal extortion. Right, if legal is what they say is legal, which is how legal is defined these days, it is legal plunder. And when CPS takes your children because you're an unschooler, that is legal kidnapping. Um, but it's, it's 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 no different, right? It's a crime. It's an aggression. So is rape, right? So so saying a just tax really is akin to saying an affectionate rape. I like that. That's brilliant. Okay. Let me cross that off. We'll go to the next one. Okay, here it is. If the best thing you can say about something is that it is a necessary evil, then it is as obviously evil as it is unnecessary. <laughs> that, is, that is one of the slimiest things somebody can say. Now, now I get it. I, I get why probably well-meaning people in the past, people who really, really, really in their heart of hearts were libertarian, or back in the day you'd say probably liberal, and really wanted the most amount of liberty for the most people, white people anyway. <laughs> and, you, you know, but they, they couldn't conceive. They just couldn't conceive of society without the state. They couldn't conceive it. That was something that was just core, right, to, to everything. Eventually, some people could conceive of it, right? And this, you know, happened a long time ago. Um, and there were some conceptions. Um, there was an essay in Anarchy and the Law, by Edward Stringham, edited by Edward Stringham, that looked at some of these really early, like uh, maybe Adam Ferguson, maybe a, a sliver from Adam Smith, right? Like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, these, 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 these glimpses of this idea of markets providing everything that governments, you know, provide, provided at the time, protection and dispute adjudication and peacekeeping and that sort of stuff. But that was that was incredibly rare. Most people who had this uh, libertarian spirit, this libertarian impulse, you know, guys like Thomas Jefferson. And again, there's a dichotomy here, right? <laughs> Liberty for me, but not for thee, if you're not, you know, male, <laughs> male, white, Christian, whatever. That um, we don't, we don't, we don't want this obvious, obviously intrusive institution right we do think because of its intrusiveness that it is evil but because we can't conceive of another way we've got to admit it's necessary right that's kind of where that comes from it's a necessary evil it's a really bad thing because they recognize the the intrusive nature the liberty violating nature the coercive nature the aggressive nature of the state but they they just can't conceive of society without it it's just an impossibility for them. So they do their best, I think, I think, well-intentioned, I think they do their best to attack it while also supporting it. It's a necessary evil. It is evil, no doubt, but there's no other way. And most people, or not most people, most people think it's a necessary good, I would say. Many people still hold to that today, that it's a necessary evil, right? They think they're being pragmatic and, oh, we can come up with these schemes to... Keep it at bay, blah blah blah. History has proven that, for the most part, that doesn't work quite as expected. Surprisingly, some of that has worked, right? I mean, you look at things like religious freedoms and freedom of speech and uh, assemble, another you know First Amendment, Bill of Rights protections, and they've they've actually for two hundred plus years they've actually they've actually been a bit of a bulwark. But but why is that? Is that because we wrote them down and put them in a constitution or is it because those things were deeper in American culture than the alternatives and that culture has been passed down, right? Because you see this in some places, in some quarters of the country, you see some of these things eroding. People who are not so committed to, for example, the idea of free speech or even the right to bear arms. Right, You see people that grow up without ever touching a firearm, without ever shooting a firearm, without ever hunting. I mean, that's like becoming a problem now that there's not hunt new hunters to replace the old hunters. And a lot of wildlife management in this country is based on hunters and what they do. And if the stock of hunters is not being replaced, then that poses problems for wildlife management. I saw a headline and read, read just a bit about that recently, right? There's a lot of people that, that grow up without, you know, all they, all they, all they're told is to fear firearms, right? They don't have that. In, they don't get that enculturation that other people get that firearms are a necessary good. <laughs> all right, let's go on to the next one. What are we at? We're at the last one here. No, no. Second to last. The penultimate. Uh, Okay. This is kind of getting into some definitions here. Here's the definition of a border, the geographical expression of tribal parochialism. Okay, I've got to admit, I'm not really sure what parochialism means, so I'm going to look it up. Um, parochial, hmm, okay, parochialism, let me look that one up, the management of the affairs of a parish by an elected vestry of parochial board, the system of local government which makes the parish the unit. So, it has something to do with parishes. What the hell is a parish? Isn't that like a Catholic uh, unit? An administrative part of a dio- diocese, yeah, especially in an a- any Anglican or Roman Catholic diocese having its own church and designated priest. So, like, when I think of like a parochial school, it's usually a religious school, right? A school owned by a church, like a Catholic church or I guess a Mormon church or whatever. That's a parochial school, right? There are Catholic parochial boarding schools that people can be you know sent off to to have their education I think that's I don't know the geographical expression of tribal parochialism okay I don't know how much to say about that one so if that's if that's interesting to you great <laughs> it's just not it's just not a common thing that i i i talk about or I think about this idea of parochialism you know what I mean so this isn't This isn't quite hitting the same way that it probably does for for somebody who's a bit more ensconced in that type of language. Um, Okay, all right, let me... Here's the last one, the ultimate. Here we go. A wise person is someone who's grateful for being called a fool when he's wrong, indifferent to being called a fool when he's right, embarrassed at being called a sage when he's right, and troubled by being called a sage when he's wrong grateful i like that grateful for being called a fool when he's wrong hey if i'm wrong and call me a fool but if i know i'm right then being called a fool maybe that shouldn't bother me right because i have the wisdom to know that that they're just lacking in some knowledge some insight that i have and they don't but don't call me a sage right it's actually kind of it's kind of foolish to be to take on that mantle of being a sage right that's that's um that's when you'll get a big head. Right? That's when you'll start to become arrogant, and hubristic, and that's when you'll you'll truly become foolish again. I would I would say. Yeah, I don't I don't like that idea either. Right? Because a, a a truly wise person recognizes their deficiencies, right? They recognize where they don't have knowledge and experience about certain things. But, you know, if they're going around being called a sage, then well, they don't want to lose that honorific, so they you know, got to become a pretender in many, in many cases. Okay. I like that. All right. My poor pen just broke. So weird how it broke. All right. I'll fix that in a minute. All right. Before I let you go, I want to recommend a movie I just watched. It just dropped on Netflix. It's called The Professor and the Madman. And it's got Mel Gibson and, oh, what's that guy's name? Sean Penn. Sorry. I was thinking Johnny Depp in my mind for some reason. That's not right. Sean Penn. Um, also Natalie Dormer, and it was a fantastic movie. I really liked it. And I thought it was, it, it's about the, I mean, this is dramatized obviously, but it's, it's kind of about the creation of the first Oxford English dictionary, which was, which was, which was, it was ingenious how they went about it. I'm not going to spoil that. And it was interesting to see that. There's so much, you know, there's so much in the English language. And if, if your task is to take every single word ever spoken in English and fit it to a definition, not only one, but there's many words that have a hundred definitions to it. Like how do you, like one of the words they were stuck on early on is the word art. You know, what is, what are all the different connotations of art and the essence and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was, it was interesting. It's not really about that, though. There's there's some other stuff there. And I thought they were brilliant performances by everybody, and it was it was enjoyable. So I highly recommend that. Um, all right, that's going to do it. Aphorisms. Please remember, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff, and don't ask permission. Thank you so much for listening, and have a better day. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast in everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EBC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.